0: Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Casey's not here today, huh? Okay. I was going to say something about Casey and his, his team, his ministry. Um, There was an insert in your worship guide today that was from Casey and his ministry, Barnabas, the encourager. So read it. He spent a lot of prayer and thought on those, and and we can at least read them, and they will be encouragement for you uh you know we actually this fellowship that he's talking about in the, in the printout is is uh Cornania. that's what real true fellowship in the church should be about a common uh a common belief not just chicken dinners and things like that but it's a, a belief People believing the same, trying to get to the same place, and my stomach is growling already. <laughs> but the line in that song, a lot of times you you wanna you want God to give you confirmation that um, what you're about to speak about is is what He wants, um, and that line. Uh, In the last song we sang about Jesus took our sins and nailed them to the cross. Um, Which is true. But there is one sin that keeps us out of the kingdom of God. One sin. And that is the sin of unbelief sin of unbelief talks about that in the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews how the children of God uh, wandering in the wilderness and that whole generation that died out did not make it into the promised land because of unbelief and today it still applies we do not make it in to the kingdom of God if we have unbelief. And that's what we're going to talk about today, this this, disbelief or, or lack of it. So stand with me if you're able and turn to the book of Mark. Mark, the ninth chapter. And I'm reading from New American... Standard version. Mark the ninth chapter beginning at the 14th verse. And it reads as follows. And when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. And immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, What are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it dashes him to the ground, and he foams at the mouth and girds his teeth and stiffens out. And I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling to the ground, he began rolling about and foaming at the mouth. Verse 21, and he asked his father, how long has, he, has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and began saying, I do believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he got up. And we had come to the house. The disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. You may be seated. Lord, help my unbelief. Let us pray. Most graciously and heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this this fellowship as we gather with uh, uh, the same purpose, and that purpose is to hear from you, that our lives might be changed by your word today. Help us to understand what this man cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. This is a situation that most of us are in, understanding what this belief, this biblical belief is, Lord. So, Lord, I'm asking you to illuminate it, make it clear, so that we have a better understanding of how we're supposed to live this Christian life. Thanking you in advance for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there's a, a lot of words that we think we understand, and this this word belief or believe is is one of them. Uh, so this 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 man who who came to Jesus about his son, uh, first thing his his belief was a little shaky he said if you can he's he's making that statement to god in the flesh if you can see we we, we going back to that time period you have situations where the the hebrews the israelites the jews They believed in God the Father. But if you think about it, Jesus was kind of new on the scene. They believed the Father because they had been raised with all these different stories of what God had done to their ancestors and through their ancestors. Bible talks about how the, the Hebrew children were chosen, not because they were the strongest, but because they were the weakest of nations. Therefore, if they were a strong nations, when they won battle after battle, that credit could have gone anywhere. But because they were the weakest, defeating armies that were much stronger than them, they knew that God was on their side. God had chosen them to be his people. They heard story after story about how God had provided. When they were hungry in the wilderness, he provided bread. How he, he, he opened up the Red Sea. And when they were fleeing Pharaoh, how he opened up the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army got drowned in the deep Red Sea. They knew all those stories, so they knew about God. But Jesus was a little bit different. Jesus was different because there were two sides to Jesus. There were those that believed and those that didn't believe. We have traditional Jews nowadays that don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. In fact, they're still waiting on the Messiah to come. So there's this this conflict. So, so this, this man who brought his son, he believed, and this is how, this is where we get into trouble. We believe, but sometimes we don't believe that God can do it for us. We don't believe that God can do it for us because we look at where we've come from and what we have done. Yeah, I've, heard, I've read about how God did this and this and this and this, but because of my background and the things that I've done in my life, I really don't believe he will do it for me, which is bad theology. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For all of us, all of us who believe, God is no respecter of persons. If he did it for one, he'll do it for all. So, this word belief. Belief is an, a verb. That's the first thing we need to understand. Believe is a verb which means it requires action. Sometimes believe and faith can be interchanged. What James says, faith without works is dead. So if you say you have faith, if you say you have belief, there has to be an action connected with it. In the summer of 1859, the great, and I don't know how to pronounce his name, I believe is Blondine, the great Blondine, began a famous series of tightrope acts across the Niagara Gorge. We're talking about over 1,000 feet. That's like three football fields on a wire 25,000 people witnessed it there's newspaper articles that you can search first time he went over riding a bicycle then he went over with his hands and legs chained chained together But the second one, he went across pushing a wheelbarrow with a bunch of rocks inside. He asked the crowd, do you believe I could put a person in the wheelbarrow and do the same thing? And the crowd erupted. Yeah, yeah. We believe it. We believe it. So this one guy in the crowd who was just ecstatic and he was just hollering and jumping and all this kind of stuff. And he pointed to him. He said, will you get in the wheelbarrow? He refused. Now, he believed that he could do it, just not with me. And that's where we have our problems sometimes. We say we believe, but there's no action connected with the belief we say we have. See, that's not biblical belief. See, biblical belief involves trust. If you believe that God can do something or will do something, it means that you have to take action to verify the belief you say you have. See, see, Ephesians, second chapter, it talks about how we are saved. We are saved by grace. Saved by grace alone. Through faith alone. In Jesus Christ alone. But then it goes on to say that we are saved unto good works. Which basically means the faith that we say we're saved by has to have some good works attached to it. Has to have good works attached to it. Because that's why God saved us. To continue his work. Faith without works is dead. The faith that we say we have. Has to be attached to works. Again our problem is. We want to choose. What good works to do. You know. Good works are you know we 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 come to church. We come to church every Sunday. We put money in the offering. Those are good works. But the good works that God is talking about is just being obedient to what he's commanded us to do. See, see putting money in the church, studying God's word, and, and and being obedient to being here. Forsake not your attending together. Okay. Those are all good works. But those are the works we choose to do because they don't get us out of our comfort zone. But belief and And trust has to be connected with the belief. That means that we have to do things that that God has commanded us to do. And some of those things that God has commanded us to do commanded us to do gets us out of our comfort zone so So if we are not getting out of our comfort zone, it's really hard to verify whether we believe. I'm just talking now. I don't know if it makes sense to anybody, but, but this is what I see in the scripture we just read. This, this guy, he believes, he believes that, that God can do it, but he's not making the connection between God and Jesus Christ. And he makes this statement, if you can. See, if you can is a doubt. And a doubt comes from whether or not he'll do it for us. Because, see, if we believe that God can do it for us, then that leads to obedience. Obedience. And so, you know, I'm always talking about (laughs) the Great Commission because I think that's where not just this church, all believers, I believe that's where we get out of our comfort zone. And this is something that, that Jesus has commanded us to do. But yet we choose not to do it based on us. Not totally understanding that, that, that God is not the uh, respecter of persons. Take, for instance, the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah felt he was too young. God told him, I want you to preach. Jeremiah felt that he was too young. He was hesitant. He had heard about other prophets, other preachers before. But he didn't really believe that God would do it for him. God assured him, don't worry about you being too young. I'll put the words in in your mouth that you need to speak to people. Now, Jeremiah believed that. He believed it. How do we know he believed it? Because he preached. And Jeremiah preached, knowing in advance Nobody would want to hear what he had to say. But because he believed in the true and living God, he did it anyway. He got out of his comfort zone. So we, as his people, as his disciples, we make excuses for why we can't do something. I don't know enough. Somebody might ask me a question I don't know the answer to. And then I look stupid. See, it ain't about you. It ain't about me. It's about obedience. God still blesses obedience. He said he saved us unto good works. So how are we going to do the good works if we don't believe? How are we going to believe if we lack trust? Trust and belief go together. You can't have real belief. You can't have biblical belief unless you're trusting. And you can't be trusting unless you're obedient. Obedience verifies trust. Trust verifies belief. See, you see, we are The Bible calls us vessels. We're instruments. We're instruments that are to be used by God. You take a pitcher, the pitcher is a vessel. The pitcher cannot pour out unless somebody first pours in. Because we're just empty. We're a vessel to be used by God. God has to pour into us first before we can pour out. And God pours into us through our obedience, He pours into us through our obedience. Because when we step out on faith and do the things God has commanded us to do, he pours into us. Because that's the only way we know that our belief is real. See, your belief has to be real. Has to be real. further down in that passage the disciples who couldn't cast out the spirit they said why could we not cast out this spirit and jesus answered basically these kind of things must be cast out through prayer through prayer That's the next thing we have to understand. We can't do anything unless God blesses us with the ability. And he will bless us with the ability if we're obedient to what he's commanded us to do. How, How does faith grow? If you have faith as big as a mustard seed. Through obedience, that faith grows. Your belief grows. But if you're just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back, there is no growth. There is no growth. The Bible is clear. It says study. See, see I'm going to share something with you. I've never read the Bible all the way through. I know a bunch of you have. That is something I never felt was important to me. Because when when I first started studying the Bible, I wanted to know everything. I wanted to know everything. I was hungry. I was hungry for God's word. And in my mind, I was thinking, okay, I got that. Let me move on to something else. And it's like God spoke to my heart one day. He says, don't worry about learning everything. He said, worry about applying to your life what I've already taught you. And when you learn that, I'll give you more. Which opened up my eyes and I understood that we shouldn't be reading for distance We should be reading for depth. If you don't understand something that you're reading in the Bible, hang out there. There's no time limit on how fast you got to learn something. Just make sure you understand what the Lord is teaching you at that particular moment. Because when you learn it, nobody can take it away from you. And you don't have to be like those people that i spoken of in the Bible tossed to and fro by every wind in doctrine we got all these dom- denominations we got all these religions we got all these false doctrines in the world there's one word of faith it's a doctrine sounds good word of faith oh that sounds good but what it really says is that our words have power. And we can speak things into existence and speak things out of existence. It's, it's sometimes called name it and claim it. Which basically means that if you've got, mm, let me see, let me pick a, oh, if, say if you've got diabetes you don't say that you got diabetes. Because when you say that you have diabetes, you're adding power to that thing which you really don't want. So you can speak things into existence and speak things out of existence. I'm going I'm to give you um, an example of what they use they've they've they take one particular scripture and they create a whole doctrine out of it mark 11:24 Now, these words are in red, signifying that Jesus spoke them. Mark 11, 24. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they shall be granted to you. 23. Again, Jesus speaking. Truly, I say to you. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but but believes that what he says is going to happen, it shall be granted unto him. So you have people that claim that, that it says in that passage three times, says, says, or say. They take that to mean that the words that we speak have power, but they leave out verse 22, which Jesus also said, and it reads this. And Jesus answering, saying to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. So what I'm saying to you, the words that I speak have no power. The words that you speak have no power unless you are entrusting in the one who gave you the words. He has the power. That's why the first thing Jesus says is have faith in God. Our belief, have faith in God. Everything we do, the good works that God has commanded us to do, or saved us by which we're able to do them, have faith in him. You shall receive power, Acts 1-8. You shall receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. So now if we believe that, that God has given us power or power is available to witness to people about the goodness of Jesus Christ, how he came from glory, voluntarily went to the cross, died for our sins, but rose on the third day to give us life. That's the gospel message. It's simple. But why don't we do it? Because our belief is out of line. The belief that we think we have is not biblical. Belief is not about picking and choosing what we want to do or what command we want to obey. Real biblical belief is about trusting in the one that has all power trusting in the one that gives us power to accomplish the good works that he's commanded us to do. Now, when we had testimony service, I kind of knew ahead of time there weren't going to be a whole lot of people that got up here. And I think God has used our, I guess our greatest fear I thought it was second, but somebody told me it was first, public speaking. People just don't want to do public speaking. But witnessing is public speaking. Witnessing is public speaking. You speak to people that you don't know. That's a fear that a lot of people have. So I think God has chosen that fear to let us know if we really believe what he says. He said you should have power. So apparently there's a lot of people that don't believe that because there's no action. Believe is a a verb, it's an action. Trust is a verb, can be a noun or a verb. I'm using it as a verb. If you trust somebody, then you'll do what they've asked you to do. Or commanded you to do. John 5:24 Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus speaking, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed, past tense, has passed out of death into life. See, we say that we believe, but our belief doesn't involve trust. Because trust involves an action. Belief involves an action. Just like the, the guy who was pointed out at Niagara Falls. You believe it, get in the barrel. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not getting in the barrel. I believe you can do it cuz I saw you do it but not with me. So we can't take God's word and try to figure out or or make excuses why certain parts of the Bible doesn't apply to us. See, see being a disciple means that we're learners and followers. Of Jesus Christ. Not just learners. But we have to follow. Learner. And follower. Two sides of the same coin. We learn. Through studying God's word. And we follow. By being obedient. To what he's commanded us to do. Then we have. That joyous. Abundant life. And we're not afraid to talk to people and share the goodness of Jesus Christ and let them know I was a a sinner on my way to a burning hell. But somebody told me the gospel, how Jesus, who is eternal, came from glory and walked among us and voluntarily went to the cross to save me from my sins. He voluntarily went to the cross. He died on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin that we might have a right to the tree of life. He did that even though we were yet sinners, didn't know who he was. He died. He was buried and he rose on the third day with all power in his hands. And he shares that power with his disciples. So that they continue his work, bringing people into his kingdom through the words that he gives us power to speak. That's what he does for us every single day. And our faith in that grows week by week, year by year, day by day as we strive to be obedient to what he's commanded us to do how do we know whether it's work how do we know if it works or not if we don't try it if we don't step out on faith and when we step out on faith you know my wife when when I first met my mother-in-law my, my mother-in-law said he seems like a nice guy, but can he talk? Most of you know me, it's, it's hard for me to stop talking now. You know, I have people. <laughs> uh, you know, I have something to say. I have something to say because God has taught me a lot of things and and if if we're thinking or if someone is there thinking about if God will do it for you, I came into this relationship with God with a whole lot of baggage, and if he can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. so never think that that your sin is greater than somebody else's God died for the sins of the world the ones we think are big ones and even the little ones like the song said he took all of them and nailed them to the cross and the only one left that keeps you out of the kingdom is the sin of unbelief going to take you to one last scripture and then I'm finished. John the sixth chapter Disciples having a conversation with Jesus Christ. Verses 28 and 29. They said, therefore, to him, talking to Jesus, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. See, because when we truly believe, when we have biblical faith, when the the belief is, is acted out as a work, see, everything else follows. That's why Jesus says, this is the work, that you believe in the one that he sent. See, when we believe in Jesus, not just that he died for our sins and rose to give us life, believe in every word that came out of his mouth. It will drive us to do the good works. It will drive us to do the good works. And when we as believers do the good works, this church fills up. It fills up. If we truly believe the greatest gift we ever received was salvation, it stands the reason that the greatest thing we can do for somebody else is to show them how they can get it too. If we believe it's the greatest gift, There's no greater gift than our salvation. That's why God left us here. If it had been about salvation, he would have just zapped us as soon as we came into the relationship. We would already be in glory. But he left us here to finish his work. And his work is to seek and save that which is lost. But I think the number is only eighteen twenty percent of those that claim to be Christian ever share their faith with anybody. There's something wrong with that picture. So I think. I think as a. What do I want to? What word do I want to do? As a. Hmm. come on Lord give me a word as a habit as a habit I think what I use for a title is a prayer that we should use every day Lord help me with my unbelief help me with the unbelief and don't, don't take it as this applies only to you his disciples had doubts john the baptist when he found himself sitting in a prison he was the forerunner to jesus christ he was the forerunner to jesus christ he was the one that said when jesus was coming from the wilderness behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world But yet when he found himself in prison, he sent some of his disciples to Jesus and told them to ask Jesus, are you the one or should I be looking for somebody else? Because he felt that if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, telling people that the Messiah is coming and I've done that, why am I sitting in prison? But Jesus sent back through his disciples, tell John, the lame walk and the blind see, just keep doing what you're doing. The plan is working. But somehow, today's church, and I'm not just talking about Calvary, today's church have stymied the plan. Stymied the plan. We have all these other doctrines that don't line up with scripture that people are believing in because the true believers aren't sharing anything. We have people in our own families that have gone off to the left or the right from what biblical truth is because we're not telling them anything. And we, we, we're not telling them anything because we think we don't know anything. But I'm here to tell you, according to Scripture, you know a hundred times more than somebody who is not saved. Because the Scripture is clear. The natural man, can't understand the things of the spirit because they're spiritually understood. So a person without spirit, they can't understand any of this. So because you have the spirit, because of your receiving the gift, you have salvation, you have the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. You can understand this So your problem is not understanding. Your problem is believing. Nicodemus, who who Pastor Larry talked about a few weeks ago, Nicodemus didn't believe, which is why he didn't understand. How How can somebody enter his mother's womb a second time? He didn't understand it because he didn't believe. And he didn't believe because it was proven that he snuck away at night. He didn't want the other Pharisees to know what he was doing. He didn't want them to know he was talking to Jesus. Because some of them believed that Jesus was not the Messiah. So his belief was a little shaky. He didn't understand because his belief wasn't right. But when his belief became right, what did he do? He took action. He went and requested the body of Jesus so he can be buried properly. His belief had action. His faith had action. So that's how we have to examine ourselves to find out if our belief and our faith is biblical. Like James says, Faith without works is dead. So is your faith alive? True belief must, must be confirmed with action. And that action is not just what we feel comfortable with. Is what the Lord has commanded us to do. So we have to get out of our comfort zone. Not put ourselves in a category where we make excuses. They all made excuses. Moses said, yeah, I I got a stuttering problem. God said, don't worry about it. I'll send your brother Aaron with you. He'll speak for you. So... All the excuses we have, God can shoot them down too. Because it's not about you, it's not about me. It's about what God wants to do in and through us as vessels. He pours into us so that we can pour out his message to a world that's lost. We have to trust that, we have to believe that, and if we trust and believe it, we take action by doing it. our prayer Lord help my unbelief help my belief to to line up with biblical belief it's all through the Bible going back to Abraham who is considered the father of our faith I can't remember it's way back in Genesis it says that Abram believed God And it was counted to him for righteousness. And his belief was demonstrated by action. God told him, hey, take your family, go to this place, I'll show you later. And Abraham believed, and it led to an action. He took his family and went in a direction, and he didn't know where he was going. All because God had commanded him to do it. That's faith, that's trust, that's belief. So, I am finished. (laughs) See, see, I'm thinking that was pretty short. I don't know if it was short or not, but... (laughs) But you know what? If it wasn't short, I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. I got to do what God tells me to do. And sometimes I step on toes. And sometimes people don't want to hear what I got to say. But, you know, my wife told me one time when I came home from preaching, she said, don't you ever have any good messages to make people feel good? (laughs) I said, you know, I like a good message to where I leave feeling good, but God don't give me too many of them. Sometimes we need to be corrected. You know, sometimes we need to be encouraged. But but if we're doing something wrong, you know, don't you want to know about it? I mean, we want to get this relationship right with God. We want to do the things he's commanded us to do because he's done more for us than we can even ask or think. Even before we even knew who he was, he died on a cross for us and given us a right to eternal life. That's a gift, the greatest gift we can ever think of or imagine. And we need to be about his business, the good works, sharing it with whoever stands to listen. Amen. Let's stand. This is our invitation.